I wonder if you've thought about how it feels to be released from your dream club at the age of 19. Dreams shattered. Maybe you've been through that yourself. Or or maybe listening as a parent or someone on a pathway now and thinking through what it might be like to make it or not. Well, today on the Christian Sport Podcast, we're speaking with Matt Joseph, the academy coach developer at Arsenal Football Club. Matt's had to release players himself. He now works uh, with the coaches and, and with clubs and with players and with parents. He's got experience himself of having been released, released from Arsenal at the age of 19 before he went on 22 trials in just 21 months. He then went on to play more than 400 games in a 14-year professional career of Cambridge United and Leighton Orient. Since then, he's worked as a coach of the FA for 15 years. Recently, he's come full circle, returned to Arsenal where he oversees the coaching of all the academy coaches. It's a great listen. So let's join Dano now as he speaks with Matt Joseph about his sport and faith here on the Christians in Sport podcast. Matt, welcome to the Christians in Sport podcast. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon. It could be any time when people are listening. <laughs> um, here's a question that we start with everybody on this podcast. What does it mean for you to have your sport, your work as a professional and faith connected to coach connected oh good question uh for me one word acceptance oh that's the shortest answer ever tell you've got to tell us a bit more now uh i think working across different facets so from sport to faith to life and being accepted wherever you go by everyone for who you are is is a it's a really special thing for me and, and, and a comforting thing for me. So I'd say acceptance in the terms of helps me to feel comfortable, helps me to be free, helps me to be myself. Well, I'm pretty certain we'll be unpacking quite a bit of that uh, through your experience and what you coach others in about the acceptance that you get from your Christian faith yeah. that differentiates it from perhaps, dare I say, the performance demands of professional sport. Okay. Well, as this podcast comes out, a large amount of academy players will be finding out if they've been released or retained by their clubs in professional football. It's a really tough time of year for children and their families. And though you and I are talking about football through your work at Arsenal and previously in the FA, all sorts of sports with performance pathways, uh, Mm -hmm. children have to face this. The football facts I've captured here are that over 50% of academy players leave the system before they're 16, before they could become a scholar. 97%, 97% of 16 to 19 year olds never play first team professional football after their scholarship. Huge stats. I mean, terrifying stats. So let's start with your personal experience. On the Arsenal website, you're very, very vulnerable in the way you say this. I think it's impressive. You say about the time when Arsenal released you as a young professional, you were a first-year professional when you left. Yes. It was a very close decision whether I stayed for another year or not. But in the end, I was told that they were releasing me and that was that. At the time, it was a shock. I didn't really expect it. To be honest, you say, they broke my heart. Wow, that go to the Arsenal website, look at Matthew Joseph. That's in the biog of his job there. What happened to you and why was it so grim? Oh, wow. Um, I think for anyone who wants to play sports or wants to be professional sports, um, you have this real desire and this drive 
to, to want to do well. First, you firstly you love the sport. Most people go somewhere where they 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 fall in love with that sport. They fall in love with the environment. They fall in love with the people they're in. So for me, being at Arsenal from fourteen to nineteen, um, because in those days, you know, there wasn't the academy starting at nine years old. So I went in at fourteen years old. You, you fall in love with, with with the place, and and it's it's what you your version of what that sport is, because you don't have any other version of it especially when you're at an elite level. So I think for me, having that taken away was a real shock. And it was a real, it's, it's gut-wrenching because I think, uh, and for, for young people and for, and, and for anyone actually, it's a real big part of your identity. And if you think for all those young people now who are sportsmen and women who are um enjoying their sports and that you know they've got you know family or friends around them who are supporting them most of the time the first thing that people ask their families and friends is how are they doing mm. it's never how are they so actually actually your identity is wrapped up in your performance so when you get that 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 no you're no longer a performance your performance levels aren't deemed good enough that's a massive part of your identity taken away how did that happen for you? Because you say something that probably doesn't happen today uh, because there are regular assessments and, and parents and young people tend to know how they're getting on in their scholarship or academy work uh, a role. How did you find out? Because you say you just weren't certain what was going to happen. No, I don't think there was any, um, I don't think there was any malice or any bad things around. I think just back in th- in that day, that's the way that, you found out, and I I walked into. I'll give you the example for those of you who have ever been to the old Highbury, and, and it's and these parts are still there. You, you walk through the, the the concierge doors and the massive glass doors, and you walk up the first three stairs, and you've got a bust of Herbert Chapman on your left hand side, and you never really go up the other marble stairs because that's where the boardroom is, and and that's where the manager's office is. So you walk up those stairs, and actually you go in, and the conversation is a conversation, and we can allude and um, go into that a little bit more. But actually, you walk in an Arsenal player and you walk back down the general public. That's the key. And that's the part where it's it's really, really difficult because as you walk down, you're no longer a professional footballer. Now, you, you, your contract might say you are because that conversation might happen in May and your contract will finish on the 30th of June. But you've just been told that isn't being extended. For all intents and purposes, your performances haven't been good enough for you to have been kept on. So you're now surplus to requirements. That's really hard to deal with. As you walk back down or as you come out of any environment, that's a really, really hard pill to swallow. So when I say that that breaks your heart, that's 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 really personal. Mm. And, I, and I'm not sure it's, it's ever meant to be, but that's really personal because that's someone saying to you, you're not good enough. 97% of children young people today at that point and, and you were a first year pro so you'd gone past the scholarship as we call it now you're a prof- first year professional if 97% of, of young people who get a scholarship never play first team football you were a pro you walk out of the famous uh, Highbury old Highbury you're not a footballer anymore nope. your stats are ridiculous you went for 22 trials in 21 months. I'll say that again for for our listeners. 
You've been at Arsenal from the earliest possible age back in the day. You've played for England at youth level numerous times. You've been with the best boys in England football at Lillishall, where they took you away and kept you there for a couple of years. Then a young uh, scholar at Arsenal in contemporary terms, and a pro. You walk out, you think, well, this ball get a job. Of course you get a job in football. 22 trials in 21 months. What is that like and how did you cope with it? How on earth did you cope with that? Uh, I look back now um, and I... Building a tremendous resilience and having a belief. That belief wasn't in my ability. Um, It was just having a belief in... And I look back at it now as a belief in in a faith that I didn't realise I actually had. Um, and I think for the majority of my time as a professional footballer, actually for all of my time as a professional footballer, I wouldn't have said I had a faith. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. I went to church when I was younger. I went to Sunday school. I did all those things. But if you'd have said to me, are oh, you a Christian? I'd have probably not said no. But as I think I've said to you before, there was... Um, there's a song by um, a gospel choir called um, Sounds of Blackness. It was called Optimistic. And I listen to that every day. It's still the song that I listen to most of the time. I could I could listen to that and smile. I could listen to that and cry. I could listen to that and re- remember. I could listen to that and feel positive. But it's just about being optimistic. Um, and, and I'll quote you on the lines of it. For me, it'll say, In the mist of sorrow, you can't see up when looking down. And that just basically says, Lift your head up. You know, um, and it just says you can win as long as you keep your head to the skies, be optimistic. So for me, it's it's that stuff of you can you can keep your head down and you can be forlorn and take every rejection as gospel. Or you can look at that and say, right, well, everything happens for a reason. My mum always used to say it to me, you know, um, and within my, my faith and stuff, everything happens for a reason. And you can take that and think, right, well, today might not be my day. That can happen in any sport. You can be the best teams and the best people don't always win because today might not be your day. That's a really difficult lesson to learn when that when it's the first time that day really hits home when today isn't your day. And it wasn't my day when I when I you know I came out of the Marble Halls at Arsenal. It just wasn't my day. You did remarkably. Uh stick at this for the best part of two years and you went on to play uh, over 400 games as a professional footballer uh, over a 14-year period. That's a long time. Um, But today we're not particularly focusing on your playing. Uh, We're talking about you as a coach, uh, as a coach at Arsenal and as a coach of coaches with a deep concern for young people, which already in this interview... uh, Listeners and viewers will be saying, well, of course he cares about young people. He's really been through it. Uh, I think I'm going to fast forward a little bit from where you've taken us to your own faith. And then we'll come back into caring for young players in the light of that and your current role. You said a couple of moments ago, you wouldn't necessarily have said you were a Christian throughout all your playing career. And you played well into your 30s professionally. How did that Christian faith consolidate then at the end of your career? How did this whole, whole thing come together where you'd be in an interview today saying that you are a Christian? What happened there? 
yeah, I think it goes back to something I mentioned a little bit earlier. I, I finished playing professionally at 32. I finished playing, I think, all the time in terms of non-league and stuff. By the time I was 34, I'd started to do my coaching by then. But I think for me at that point, it comes back to identity. I was no longer a footballer. So what was I? And for me, that was that was a struggle. And at that time, you know, married and still married to, to, to my wife and had two children at that time. But there was a massive gap because I didn't know what I was. Um, and if you don't know what you are, that can be a really troublesome time for, for people um, because you, you're unclear where you sit in society. You're unclear when you sit in the hierarchy of life. You're unclear about how people view you. You're unclear, you just, there's this, this massive confusion and I wasn't clear on, on what I was. And again, I go back to um, everything happens for a reason. People enter your life for reasons, you know. And I'm there was a a ribbon at my at my children's school who who I spoke to, um, so Kev the Rev. I'll give him a little shout out. Kev the Rev. Kev Browning, um, and he he was he was just awesome. And I remember having a, a conversation with him, and he asked me a really really simple question, which just went straight to the heart of me, and a question that nobody ever asked me, and and he was asking talking about faith. And then he said to me, what's stopping you from being a Christian? And I couldn't answer it. I had all these things that, um, that had all these sort of quick answers, well, because of this, that one. But actually, what was stopping me? And actually, nothing was stopping me. The only thing that was stopping me was me, mm. um, in inverted commas. So I think for me, there was that real clarity of being able to ask questions that get to the heart of what's you know, gets to the heart of people and then gets them to think and reflect on what, what is it they want to do. And that was really clear for me. Um, it wasn't clear at the time because I think, um, and I said to you before, I, I prayed with him and I knew at that time when I prayed with him that I wasn't, I didn't think I really meant it. I was doing that to go along with something that I thought I liked the idea and the concept of it but I hadn't really explored it for myself. Um, and once I had explored it for myself, I can remember um, it was sometime, I think, in the January, um, and I was at home and I was on my own thinking about stuff, and that's when I prayed my prayer myself. Um, and for me, that was it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Christians in Sport podcast. We'll get back to it in just a minute. Now, at Christians in Sport, we long to give every sports person the opportunity to hear about Jesus. Uh, could you help us do that? We're looking to raise up more monthly donors to support the work of reaching the world of sport for Christ, including producing more resources like this. Uh, if you think that's something you could do as you prayerfully consider your giving, then just head to christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash donate to check out a number of exciting stories about how God has brought people to follow him in the world of sport and what you can do to help us continue to do that. Thanks. I'm interested now in the, in the last section of our conversation then to really explore the the consequences of your story and the way you've articulated so succinctly this far what does this mean let's take a simple question in the kev browning style then why do you want to be a coach 
I know that my gift, if that's what you want to call it, is to help people. I like developing people. I, help, I like helping people. That's what I do. So, and it's not for self-gratification. It's just, I think that we can all be better versions of ourselves if we want to be. And it, it's not some sort of crusade, but the job that I'm in um, is to support and develop. So I'll say to all the coaches I've worked with and every one of them I've ever worked with, I cannot make you a better coach. You make yourself a better coach. What I can do is help you with being more self-aware, provide some context, provide an environment, provide some support, but I cannot make you a better coach. So all I'm saying straight away is I'm there to support you. The same way that I feel like I'm supporting my faith by God, that, that, I, that someone's always there. That's my job. So if people want to, to link in with me, um, great. Um, but my job is to make them as self-aware as they can be. And I suppose if we're linking all this together and you ask me the question around um, what does it mean to have my faith and I said acceptance, I had to accept me first. So when I had said my prayer, I accept. I had to accept me. If you're a coach or a young person who is playing or you've had some bad news or, or an injury, or you have to be able to accept that situation before you can move through it. And the acceptance is really hard. It's not, and I would be lying to say, sit here and say it's easy. It's not easy. Um, it's it's really really hard. Um, and so again, another sort of throwaway phrase that I would say, linking this all together, is I would say to coaches, I say if if people say coaching is easy, over line or they're not doing it properly, because it's not easy. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with humans. You're dealing with emotions. You're dealing with performance. You're dealing with perceptions. You're dealing with um, a lot of people around you. There's there's so many moving parts. It it, it can't be easy. Because you can't, you can't control everything. Because you can't control, you can't control. Um, you can only control the controllables. You can't control how people think about you, or how people will judge you based on the comments that you've made or on the performance that you've done. So someone can be a winner today, and tomorrow can be a loser. Mm. You know? or they can be they can lose in someone's eyes and win in someone else's eyes. Mm. You know, certainly in, in a team game as football, you can play badly and win, and you can play really well and lose. So, so what are you? in that moment so you have to be able to accept what um the outcomes of of your performance but you also have to be able to accept your role and have some responsibility about what you've done in, the, in those moments and you can only ever be the you're only ever trying to be the best version of yourself so i think when you're linking all this together i my job is to try and help people understand what it is they want do they want to be the best version of themselves and what does that look like and what does what does the best mean for them because best is um there's lots of different variants on that. Mm. What what does the best mean? Do you want to be the best midfield player? Do you want to be the, the best um, under-14s female javelin thrower? Do you want to be the best under-19s point guard in basketball? Do you want to be mm. the best 12-year-old centre in netball? What what do you want to be? And why do you want to be that? Why is that so important? You know, mm. so the, again, it's just answer those those simple questions. Um, so for me, there's I've got loads of models and theories and stuff in my head, which I use. But it is very much about asking, trying to get to the heart of people and find out what, what it is they want um, and working from there. But again, it's it's very difficult when the thing that you want is taken away from you. Yeah, and I, and I think that takes us back. I'm very conscious that you've spent 15 years across professional football clubs and now in one of the top clubs in the country, indeed in Europe. 
uh, doing the job you did at a number of clubs in one huge club. But your job day by day is with the coaching staff. Yes. You coach the coaches. So you're not necessarily front on with the boys in the club, the, 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 the players themselves. Translate then <laughs> what you'd hope for your coaches, not technically or tactically, but if it's all about relationships, how, how do you help coach that care for young players? Well, my job is in a very, yeah, is to coach the players. Mm. However, my job is to reach out to the co to the players via the coaches. Yeah. So I don't directly coach yeah. the players, but I indirectly coach them. So my, my role is helping the players to understand um, the importance of those connections. So we'll talk about Arsenal. And these these are values which are there before me, and, and, and I wholeheartedly agree with them, and part of the reason why I want to join them. Talk about humility, discipline, and respect. They're the three key things that, that we talk about at our club. So you have to show humility, because, and that's really hard when you're in a competitive sport, because... Someone has to win and someone has to lose. So can you be humble in those moments? Um, being respectful to yourself, to other people around you, um, that's a really big, really big thing. So again, I, I would say with my family, respect yourself, respect other people, respect other people's property. They're three non-negotiables. So respect is, is massive. And you have to be disciplined. So I think if you are a sports person, where no how old you are, guarantee you've missed some events that you'd like to have gone to whether they're family events friends events but you're going to have to be disciplined enough to understand why you're doing that and what you might and what you hope to get as a return from those things so I think when you're working with when I'm working with our coaches it's or, or working with coaches in general it's trying to get them to, to think around you're working with it sounds a really horrible way of saying it someone's most precious commodity in the whole world someone's child someone has trusted you to work with their child so take that on board and um, respect the trust that's been given to you and work with those individuals as best you can in a way which is not demeaning but is to help those young people be the best version of themselves they can be and sometimes because of the moment you're in you might not be able to help that person get to the best version of themselves right now but you might be the catalyst. Mm. So it might not be me that gets the best out of him, but it might be the next coach. Mm. And it might be the next coach after that because that, young, that individual is learning how to be the best version of themselves because you don't wake up one day as a coach or as a player or as a person and you are the version of the person you want to be. It just doesn't happen like that. There's a process along the way. So Matthew, you, you, you've talked about your experience back in the day of finding out that you weren't a professional footballer at Arsenal anymore. Very painful. How's that changed? I think it's changed oh, so much. It's changed so much. So if you think in that situation, I was 19 and walked up on my own and walked out. I think you definitely have parents involved. You definitely have... Um, there's, there's, there's more responsibility now around duty of care just to young people. Um, so I, th I think... If because there are more reviews with our athletes now, I don't think you would ever get end up in going into a conversation without having some backdrop to it, having some context to it. 
I think certainly from a football point of view, clubs are very good or getting a lot better at having those conversations and saying, look, this is this is where we're at with stuff. Um, football clubs all have every every football club has huddle, so there's an analysis. You can watch your 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 games back. You can What's watch huddle. Like, huddle is like an analysis platform, performance platform. Okay. So every game is filmed, um, so you can say to to the performers like. Here's, here's some stuff that you did. You can review them with them all the time and you send that to, to, to players and, and they will then have access to that as do the parents and they can you can also communicate for that. Like, what are you thinking in this moment? Think about these things. Here's where we relate to some stuff we talked, spoke to you about previously. So you, you're getting so much more feedback that I think it's less likely that you get to a point where someone gives you the ultimate yes or no and you don't, you've had no feedback or anything that, that would prepare you for that. I still think there is that point that because of, because of hope, there is still always a point when, when you do get that yes or no, certainly if it's a no, that there is that disappointment and some people don't, don't see it come in, in terms of the reflection of others. But it's always about yourself. Coaches are always going to talk to you about you. They might reference other people at certain times, but it's always about you. It's like a teacher giving, you know, a parents, a parents evening. They don't talk about the other children. They talk about you and where you are in that point. The hardest thing is because they say a team sport and because everyone has an opinion in football, which is brilliant, um, that people will relate to, well, but so-and-so's done this and, and they're okay, but you're not. And actually, within football and within sport, it isn't always about you being um, not being good enough. Sometimes you have to accept that there are people that are better. So you might be you might be released because a pathway is being cleared for somebody else who's coming through. That's a really difficult bit to 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 accept. So I think in I'll give you the analogy for football. You have to accept in football you are going to release good players. You might even sometimes release very good players, but you don't very often release exceptional players. And so sometimes you might have to leave to go from, you might have to leave to go from being good to become very good to come back. Which though it doesn't uh, fit quite here in, in the interview. That's exactly what you've done. That's exactly what I did. Because <laughs> you found the right path. Yes. Isn't it? I mean, yeah. you found... You horned, you horned it, you played. You didn't play Premier League football. No. You played lower than that, but you still played 400 games in the Football League, as we call it now. Yes. But you found your sweet spot, which has been the rest of your life yeah. as a coach. Yeah, because I, I think, as you, as you said, the for, for young people being performers, it's the responsibility of the club or the, or the people that you're working with to provide you with a pathway. If they don't feel they have a pathway for you, it's then their responsibility to not try and keep you there to block it for somebody else or when you don't have a chance. That's not a really, again, that's not overly palatable, but with years of experience, you understand that that's the route, that there's there's a pathway. And as you, you, you talked about, that funnel just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, you can have 22 players under nines. You're probably only going to have 26 players in your first team squad. You know, if you think you've got 22 on the nines, you've got 10s, 11s, and so on, you're really squeezing. Mm. So actually, you need to go, you might need to go somewhere else. So again, and that's why I said about stuff about being valuable and accepting the answer. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. 
it might mean that someone's better than you. In, in my example, I was at a club who won the league in 89 and 91. I wasn't going to get past the England right back at the time. No, that was some team. That was something that was very helpful. We'll draw to a close here. I, I want to ask you something very specific in the light of the themes that you've developed for us. Mm-hmm. So I've warned you of this, of course. Um, a lot of parents who, a lot of parents who listen to this podcast, uh, will be like your mum, I guess. You know, they'd be Christian parents with a, a child in a performance pathway. Um, on the receiving end of that uh, in local parentis that you yearn for from the coach. Give us, what would you say to a mum or dad listening to us right now, whose child, let's take the hard one first, they are being released from the pathway. In, in scholarship terms, they're not staying in football. What would you say to a mother or father who has faith in that situation? It's very difficult. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all because for that young person, there is a huge amount of um, disappointment, maybe rejection, um, maybe a feeling of, of, of unfulfillment, maybe, maybe regret that maybe they might not have taken all the opportunities available to them at that time. It's... It's very difficult to empathise with somebody in that situation. Um, and again, a lot full of useless quotes, but sometimes it's, it's hard to think about being in the arena when you've never been in the arena. So if you've never been in that situation, and as a parent, you, you, won't, you won't know. You won't know, might not know what to say. But it is about just being there for that person. Because... When you don't have that clarity and you're unclear and you're unsure, the constant and the stable things in your life for your family, your friends, your, certainly your parents, you know, in most cases, but there'll be a constant in your life. What those young people don't need at that life is that constant to not be, to no longer be constant. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really important. So I know that my mum was always there for me, even though she's, a load of times she told me, why don't you just stop playing football and go and do something different? And she didn't do it because she didn't believe me, I didn't care. She's a parent who's hurting, who's watching her child hurt. She's watching her child go to trial number eight, no. Trial number nine, no. Trial number 10, no. And wondering why are you putting yourself through this? Um, so from a parental point of view, which I am now, of course you 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 care about your children and we would... We would rather take the pain for our children than, than allow them to go through it. So sometimes we'll ask them to, to stop doing something, even though you know you... Sometimes you have to go through it to come out the other side of it. And, and that, that's that paradox in that bit there. So I think, what would you say to a parent? I think try and be there for your child. Um, and I'll give you a, a small story, which hopefully might, might make some sense in all of this. So... Um, and you all know Noel Blake, so he's uh, you know someone I've known for a long while, and we were on a course a couple of years ago, and it, this is the effect of being of of being released, and what well, can be the, the effect, and it depends on the timing of it. So I knew that once I got released, and I I'd been to all these clubs, and I finally got my chance at Cambridge. I probably spent the next fourteen years, four hundred games, whatever that is, trying to be invaluable, 
because I never, ever wanted to be in that situation again. So I would work harder, run harder, do more work. I'd do whatever I could so that some I was I was invaluable. And it's only at a point where, again, another cutting question, and Noel said to me, because we were sharing some stuff about how we felt about stuff, and he said, think about all the time you've, stuff, you've felt about trying to be invaluable. Why don't you just concentrate on being valuable? And it was like a sledgehammer hits you because you're going, and I go back to that stuff about being acceptance. You have to accept that whether you've been released today or you've had some bad news, you're still valuable to your parents. You're still a human being. You still have value. There was a part of you which is is no longer there anymore or might have stopped or might um, take you down a different path. But you're still valuable, you know. You know, we're still beautifully and wonderfully made, you know. We're still valuable to God. We're still, val- we're still valuable. Hum- we're human. The most valuable thing you, you you know you can get more than more than money worth worth more than so I think there's that bit of when we talk about performance and we talk about young people or we talk about anyone coming to the end of, of a career path that you can feel vulnerable because you can feel like if if I'm no longer wanted that I'm you can go down this trajectory of thought then that means that I'm useless and I'm no longer valuable and I'm not as valuable as I used to be. And it's all this stuff around what what we aren't, but actually, it's about no, no, you, you're still valuable. Yeah, it's about who you are. I like that. Well, that leads me, I think, to a last question, which is, uh, you mentioned Noel Blake there, who'd been a, a football player, a long career, a manager, and a huge influence on the England uh, performance pathways and, and for young men over many years. Uh, and a part of the Christians in Sport Coaches Network. You were uh, a founder, one of the inaugural members when the lockdown came, of uh, a group of coaches across the range of of professional football in in the UK who started meeting then and continue to meet together now. Uh, Tell us how that's been. Give us a feel of how that is. Of course, people listening in can't imagine bunch of coaches hanging out together and working out how to apply their faith to professional football give it give people a snapshot of how that is you can't name names of course i think it's amazing that a group of people who love talking can actually listen and talk to each other about something completely different i mean you, you think these 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 are coaches who are responsible for first teams who are responsible for um, the development of of young people who who carry a great burden with them and a great responsibility, who show great vulnerability and great humility to sit down and and just talk and talk about um, themselves, talk about their faith, talk about football, but that football part probably only takes up about five, maybe 10% of just some connections and more of it is around how people are doing and, you know, lifting people up when things are, aren't, aren't going well or things are, people have lost their jobs or people are, are in a difficult place. And I think, I think it's a, it's a real, it's a real blessing. And I think you, you don't realise the power of being able to speak to, to people who are in a similar situation. So I go back to that phrase around, um, you only know what it's like to be in the arena once you've been in the arena, and you've got a group of young, of a group of people who have been in the arena, who are still in it, who might have come out of it, who have experience of it, and so there's that there's that empathy 
in the way that people talk, but there's also that stuff of linking it back to having that. The one thing that connects us all together isn't football, it's faith. Football is just a vehicle for us to talk and now we've made connections with each other. It's a wonderful experience. And I, and I just think if, again, for for the young people, for the people that are out there, it's it's trying to find your version of that. And that can be anywhere. It doesn't have to be people in the same arena as you. It can be your friends. It can be your family. It can be different groups. But I would suggest the one thing we definitely do um, in those moments is you find someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. it's been great having this conversation um, it seems so important it's football we're talking about but it could be any sport anyone who's in the arena is a footballer, netballer, cricketer, rugby player tennis player, they're in the arena they're a coach in the arena you're, you're not less than an athlete or a coach but you are more yeah. you, you are more uh, you're loved independently of your performance and there's a great God who loves you enjoyed your company as always um, Matthew Joseph thank you very much indeed no worries thank you for having me well that was so helpful thanks to Matt thanks to Dano thanks uh, for both of your time as we we think through important issues great always to hear stories of people coming to faith and then how it's impacted uh, their, their careers their lives their sport wonderful as well to hear experience of uh, of somebody who's been through the system who, who's competed at the highest level who's had the path go a different way to what expected and uh, able to reflect on what God's done in that and uh, reflect on and that helps them now to be able to work with others. So uh, a really helpful list. I hope you found it useful as well. We'd love uh, to hear from you. Uh, if you've got comments, you've got questions, if you've got feedback. Uh, if you are uh, a young athlete on a pathway, if you're a parent supporting them, or if you're yourself an elite athlete, um, we'd love to get in touch with you. Uh, we'd love um, to connect you in with others like you uh, through our networks. Matt spoke a little bit there about the uh, Elite Football Coaches Network. If you're an elite football coach, um, we'd love to get you plugged in. You can find out all of that on our website, christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash networks, christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash networks. You can sign up today. Uh, you can get more information, get in touch with us, and we'll, we'll try and plug you in um, to connect you with others in similar situations. Um, time in the Bible together, a chance to pray together. Uh, some, some of them are weekly, some of them are monthly. Uh, it's just a great time uh, together. So uh, we'd love to plug you into that. Uh, and do, uh, finally, if you can, um, we'd love if you could leave us a review, uh, leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find this podcast, more people who might find this useful. So we'd love you to do that if you can. Uh, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, it's been great to have your company with us. Uh, and we've got more coming soon and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.